give this to you before all this went down tonight. It's impressive, isn't it? What is it? It's the first thing I ever won, and when I won it was probably the last time I ever felt pure victory. No pressure, nobody breathing down my back, just driving because I loved it pure. And that's what you got to get back to doing what you do naturally just for you. I mean, I don't have your gift, but I do have a couple of things that you don't have. I got will and I got faith. Boy, don't laugh. I'm serious. <laughs> because I believe you can will yourself in anything, do anything. And faith, that's like believing in something. Man, that's like having a good disease. It's contagious. If you hang around with people that have it, you're going to catch it. And that's going to change your attitude. And winning is an attitude. So if you trust me, no, if you trust yourself, by the end of the season, you'll either be on top or you won't. But I guarantee you, you're going to know what Jimmy Bly is really made of. What's up, guys? It's Scott Kuntz, uh, a.k.a. Tunza, and you are listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Philip Zeptat. You can't just wear a hat saying Philip Zeptat without explaining who that is. Who is Philip Zeptat? He's fucking started out the show. Who is Philip Zeptat? Okay, I can't do a Stallone, but here goes. I got will and I got faith. I believe you can will yourself in anything and do anything. And faith, that is like believing in something, man. That's like having a good disease. It's contagious. If you hang around with people who have it, you're going to catch it, and it's going to change your attitude. This week, we talk about a movie (laughs) from 2001 that has maybe the worst trailer I've ever seen. It might be just indicative of the time, the post-millennium, but I'd never seen this movie, but I would never see this movie based on the trailer, and I I didn't. I didn't see it Uh, before today. I've seen this movie once and didn't remember really anything at all about it. I'm Kevin. I'm not a racing fan. Not opposed to racing, just never got into it. I'm joined by the Ayrton Senna of Chick-fil-A, Jim. I am the Ayrton Senna Chick-fil-A. You probably wonder why. I'm one of those guys, you know how the Chick-fil-A drive throughs are. It's two into one. I like to get the car next to me to hit the drive through first before I do. Haul ass through it. Say my pleasure. I beat him every single time. I was at one of those the other day. I don't remember which one it was. And I picked the wrong one for sure because <sighs> I really went one way. And like six cars on the other side went through before I even got to order. So. It's, you know, it's 50-50 shot. I seem to be pretty damn good at it. I've won the world championship at Chick-fil-A probably on 10 different occasions. All right. Least. Well, this is, uh, of course, the Pool Scene Podcast. Today we will be talking about Driven, starring Sylvester Stallone. The movie probably should have saved some money in cast, you know. You guessed it, Frank Stallone. Oh. It wouldn't have mattered. They couldn't have saved this. Although... Maybe this tidbit could have saved it. The original director's cut was four hours. Even though this movie seemed way too long to begin with. Only 51 minutes of bonus footage was included on the DVD extras. I'm totally convinced that the unseen 72 minutes makes this a masterpiece. There's no other explanation for it. Maybe it would fill in some of the egregious plot holes in this movie. It's ridiculous. Uh, Driven was directed by Rennie Harlan who has a bit of a weird resume. Harlan directed Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Deep Blue Sea, Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, among other things, and The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which, yes, is the Andrew Dice Clay movie. Hickory dickory duck! Oh! The way this came about, strangely enough, is that the director was working on developing an Ayrton Senna movie while Stallone was doing research and working on writing a racing movie. You would have thought the perfect team-up. Per Stallone, This movie was supposed to be based on Formula One. Stallone went to some races for research, but I don't know if he couldn't comprehend or what, but they instead based it on Champ Car. Now, Jim, you can probably speak to this, but I read that teams are very secretive about their cars. Perhaps that played into it. Now, when it comes to Formula One, any outsider or free agent driver, if they're interesting, if they are interested in going to a team, and this is how it is right now, you would only get access to a car that is two years old. So say, for instance, hey, I'm interested in driving for Mercedes next season. They would give me access to a car 
that is two years old just because there is so much secretive loophole type stuff within the Formula One paddock. You don't want to risk anybody knowing what you got under the but hood. But does somebody have something better? I mean, is there really a competitive advantage? Does one team have something that's so much better than the other team? Sometimes, yes, especially in Formula One, man. It, when it comes, the same team has won the championship for the past seven years, the oh, team wow. and the driver. So, yes, there is a big competitive advantage. Money talks. Now, Stallone said he wrote 25 drafts of this movie and also said that this movie is very autobiographical and many things were taken from his own life. It took four years to get this film financed. It's unfortunate that it eventually did get financed. Yeah, big time. Okay, that's more than enough setup. Jim, tell us about the budget box office and how we were living in 2001 at the time of Driven's release. Pre-9-11. Yes, this was a pre-9-11 world, everybody. Driven came out on April 27th, 2001 to an amazing budget of $94 million. In watching this movie, I don't know where the hell they spent $94 million. Although it wasn't on the CG. Yeah, the CG. The CG was piss poor. But guess what? Lo and behold, good thing they didn't make the four-hour cut of this movie because this movie, long enough as it was, made only $57 million at the box office. So it was a bomb that Sylvester Stallone is even regretted ever making. I'm glad that he admits that. In the news, going a little, started off a little somber, but yet pretty damn good. Former Yugoslavian tyrant Slobodan Milosevic surrenders and ends up getting put up for war crime at The Hague. War crimes at The Hague, the trial of the, I guess, Yugoslavian century. Ended up getting tried, convicted, and ended up dying in prison, I believe, of cancer. I believe Slobodan uh, Milosevic. Our friend Morgan and I were at a football game. It was actually Niles versus Halland, which was your yep. high school, and it was a rivalry. And we were waiting in line for a concession stand. I don't remember what to get. And Morgan, till this day, don't understand why, but he taps this dude in line and he goes, what do you think about Slobodan Milosevic? I was hoping you were going to say he tapped the dude in line and it was Slobodan Milosevic. <laughs> and the guy turns around and basically was like, hey, fuck you. Like he gets, <laughs> he obviously. He was our fucking guy, man. He obviously didn't understand. I drove a Yugo for that he son of a bitch. He just had a reaction because he didn't stay up on current events, I'm convinced. Okay, the next one, we're going sports. And it's one of Kevin and I's favorite loves, the world of pro wrestling. Stone Cold Steve Austin beats The Rock at the main event of WrestleMania X7 in Houston. Now, you guys remember, this is where Stone Cold turned heel and joined Vince McMahon, which was absolutely fucking Huge stupid. Mistake. And even Stone Cold said that was a bad idea. I should never have done it. But that's what happened. In the world of other sports, Tiger Woods secured his second green jacket after beating David Duvall. Whatever happened, it, it, like David Duvall had such a meteoric rise and then he lost the swing. He Steroids. never really recovered. He was on He was on the juice. If you would have seen what Allegedly. David Duvall yeah. looked like, never would have ever <laughs> touched the juice. He beat David Duvall by two shots at Augusta. In the world of music, Fat Boy Slim releases his Weapon of Choice video and rebirths Christopher Walken. We may talk about that later. It we might, might come up. We might have to talk about that. The number one song in America, Janet Jackson's All For You, was the number one song in America. Wow. Did not expect that when I was researching. I'm like, of all songs, that was number one at the time. The number one movie in America, Kevin, one of your favorite movies, The Bridget Jones Diary was number one during the release of this movie. And then, go figure, Driven was number one for a week, and it made $10 million its opening week. Pretty rough time. I never saw Bridget Jones Diary or the second one. I just know that, what the fuck is a Zellweger? I just know that (laughs) Renee Zellweger gained a bunch of weight for the role. Only thing I've always found weird about Renee Zellweger is something, like, happened to her cheek. Yeah. It seemed like her cheeks just started eating her eye because in Jerry Maguire, she was that girl next door cute. Then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, cheekbone. Don't know what the hell happened to her. Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite spot of the news, your Alan Jackson update of the week. People started looking at me different, put me up on this pedestal like I was some kind of saint or something, you know, and I was like, man, I'm just a singer, simple song. Alan Jackson was a part of the George Strait Country Music Festival, along with George Strait himself, Asleep at the Wheel, Brad Paisley, Leanne Womack, Lone Star, and Sarah Evans. And that was your Alan Jackson update. But this week, we're adding something new. Kevin does not know about this. I don't. What is this? We have another update. Huge update. Ladies and gentlemen, for the week of April 27, 2001, your Peter Cetera update <laughs> of the week. I knew that people couldn't differentiate Peter Cetera's music songs from Chicago. They just assumed that, hey, play Saturday in the park. Well, I- 
I didn't write it. I didn't sing it. Why would I play it? Peter Cetera releases his seventh solo album, Another Perfect World, where he remade John Lennon and Paul McCartney's It's Only Love. That was your Alan Jackson, Peter Cetera, news music update for April of 2001. Are you working on a thesis? You're going to do an Alan Jackson, Peter Cetera thesis? If I come across an Alan Jackson Cetera cover, oh my God, the world will end. The world will end. I'll be amazed. Okay, let me drive into the plot of Driven. Oh, I see what you did there. It's the year 2000, and it's uh, the 2000 season of Champ Car. Yes. Rookie Jimmy Bly has won five races already, and we're just halfway through this season. You would think with Jimmy's success, he would be on cloud nine with the world in the palm of his hand, but he's under a tremendous amount of pressure. Jimmy's brother, DeMille... Great name for a son, by the way. ...hassles him. Yeah, you have Jimmy or James and DeMille. DeMille Bly. Jimmy's brother DeMille hassles him with endorsements and press engagements. Jimmy's team owner, Carl, thinks Jimmy's making too many driving errors. He's won five races. He's a rookie, but yeah, he's he sucks. He's done fucked up. Carl sees many parallels to his former driver and cup champion, Joe Tanto, which is like a witness protection name. <laughs> hey, 14-year-old, we're going witness protection. What do you want your name to be? Joe Tanto. Uh, Joe Tanto. Carl convinces Joe to come out of retirement to mentor Jimmy. This is where I'll say the movie maybe unnecessarily gives every driver too much backstory drama. Way too much. Jimmy has the business shit with his brother. The rival driver, Bo Brandenburg, has relationship drama where he dumps his fiance. Bo, you've had problems before and you've never acted like this. Things change. Why can't you just respect what I need? You're having a bad season and you're throwing me out of your life? This is my life! This This is not your life! This is what you do for a living. Look, if I'm going to win, I need my mind out there, not here. So right now, this is my life. Because she's a distraction. And with Joe, when he comes out of retirement, the driver he replaces, Memo, is married to Joe's ex-wife, but they're still friends. Call you about the wedding. You never called back. No, I did. Hey, friends don't do that. If they have problems, they talk. We always did that. Sometimes good things can happen from bad ones. But hey, you're my friend, so if it will make you happy, I'll divorce you. Man, what are you doing? In Joe's first race, he is used by the owner to block Bo, allowing Jimmy to win. Jimmy doesn't like Joe and thinks he's just there to help Jimmy win by blocking opponents. And that's probably more so coming from DeMille. Yeah. And more drama. Jimmy is now having an affair with Bo's ex-fiance, Sophia. At Joe's urging, Bo reconciles with Sophia at a party in Chicago where they're introducing next year's cars. Sophia jumps Jimmy, or dumps Jimmy, she didn't jump him. That would have made it Bo more Bo tries to jump him, sort of. But Sophia dumps Jimmy, and his reaction leads to one of my favorite scenes. <sighs> Carl isn't getting what he wants from Joe, so he reinstates Memo, and he puts Joe in the pit for Jimmy. At the next race, if Jimmy wins, he wins the championship. Carl instructs Memo to block Bo so that Jimmy can win, but Memo goes for the win. Mm-hmm which racers instinct exactly memo and jimmy collide causing memo to go into a lake the axe we'll talk about the accidents in this movie because it's it's everybody would be dead yes in this car or in this lake his car explodes and obviously carl isn't happy about this because he thinks jimmy should have ignored memo's wreck and just went on for the win and won the championship bo also comes to assist memo here Mm mm-hmm Along with Jimmy. Ayrton Senna did the same thing during a qualifying race in, I believe, Imola in 1992 to Eric Comas. Carl tries to hire Bo to be his driver for next season in a deal brokered by Jimmy's brother DeMille. But Bo rips up the contract, essentially, with Memo in the hospital. Joe returns to drive alongside Jimmy for the final race of the year in Detroit. Jimmy and Bo are both competing for the season championship. Joe leads for most of the race, or actually... He's at the back with with Jimmy trying Jimmy to get him up through the field. To get up through the field. He starts humming. Yes, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. a thing I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joe has a at the end of the race when he makes a, a lunge for the lead, he gets damaged suspension. Yes, Bo's leading, but with Joe's words of wisdom, Jimmy goes on to win the championship. Joe spins across the finish line to finish third. After Jimmy's already been shit canned by Carl, mind you. Yes, been shit canned. So they all essentially celebrate together. Yes. Jimmy, Bo, and Joe are all friends. And Sophia. Celebrating at the end. So, Jim, unless you have anything else to mention about the plot, let's talk about some characters. Yeah, let's let's do it. Who is your daddy and what does he do? 
So this movie sets you up to not know who to like or dislike. You have no, you watch this entire movie. I don't know who I'm pulling for. It's, I, I make a lot of comparisons from this movie to Days of Thunder because you kind of have like this. But at least in Days of Thunder, you know who the heel is well, right, right off the but, bat. But you have Rowdy Burns and then yeah, uh, but Rowdy Burns is a heel who becomes. But then good. Russ Wheeler comes in, becomes the ultimate. Exactly. So this movie, I guess I'm expecting the same thing is, you know, changes in character arc. But Jimmy is set up so that we think that's our main character. But yet Jimmy, like... <laughs> He never really comes off as unlikable, but he's having an affair with Bo's wife. He's incredibly fiance. He's incredibly immature. Yes. And Joe seems to be likable. It's Sly Stallone. He's top build. But then he there's a scene where his his wife, Gina Gershon, his ex-wife, is like berating him for how bad of a husband he is. But then again, it's like as if she wants him to brag about how amazing she was. Yeah, but But then she's married to Memo now, so you think there's going to be a feud between Joe and Memo. But Memo is the only genuine person in this whole movie, and he's barely in it. And then Bo, you're like, okay, he's the rival driver. That's that's our villain. Mm -hmm. But no. He's he's awesome too. But he also is very monotone when it comes to his broken English German accent. Yes. So the only heel really in this movie is Carl, the team owner. Or DeMille. Or DeMille. But DeMille ends up even. But DeMille is just like a selfish businessman, not really much of a villain. But yeah, it's Carl. So we have Sylvester Stallone as Joe. We have Burt Reynolds is Carl. Kip Pardue (laughs) is Jimmy Bly. That's a real fucking name, folks. Till Schweiger is Bo Brandenburg. Gina Gershon is Kathy, the the ex-wife of Joe Tonto, Tanto, and uh, current wife of... Memo Moreno. Memo Moreno. Estella Warren is Sophia Simone. Christian... De La Fuente. De La Fuente as Memo Moreno. And Robert Sean Leonard from House Fame playing DeMille Bly. And then you've got a ton of uh, appearances from race car drivers that I don't recognize, but you do. Yeah, I do. And that's really, don't get a ton of, of other people in this movie. Thank God, because they would rope their romantic relationships with everybody. If they only knew we could it. see the four hour cut, right? Oh, great. Who doesn't want to see the Snyder cut of this movie? So which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any <laughs> non-lead character steal scenes? It's Bo Brandenburg. It's got a, It's Till. Till Schwager. He's something. That scene where he's running up the stairs and they're at the racetrack. Mr. Zero Emotion that can express emotion without showing emotion. What do you know about me, Joe? What? Hey, don't push me. I, it's just the weirdest guy. But if you look at his credentials, he has won a lot of, in Germany, they call them Bambi Awards. It's In Britain, it's the BAFTAs. Here, it's like the Academy Awards. He's won a lot of Bambis. He was in Inglorious Bastards. And he's Hugo Stieglitz. Yeah. Which is an incredible role. He went on at least to become a really good actor. In this movie, he's kind of weird. You want to make, like you said, you want you want him to be the heel because you know, he's the he's the bad German. You know, you got to focus on the bad German. He could be a Nazi. No, he's not. You kind of want to like this guy. And when before they do the whole IndyCar thing in Chicago, you're pulling for him to get back together with Sophia. Now, it's a little unfair for me to ask that question because this movie has less dialogue than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like Dumb. montage type stuff. There's a, a really fun montage at one of the races. Like you said, it's very any given Sunday, Oliver yeah. Stone yes, type shots. This guy tried to be like, I'm going to make the racing version of any given Sunday, Ugh. but badly. So not everyone has a lot of dialogue. I will say at least Burt Reynolds like tries in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be the villain. He's got like this one really impassioned speech, but he also, there's so much ADR in this movie. It's horrible. There, I mean, ADR. it was filmed, filmed at a racetrack. So yeah. obviously you're going to have a ton of, of noise. noise. Yeah. So they had a ADR, but the ADR is so poorly done. That it's like, they're showing him while his lips don't match any of it. Plus the music is up way too high. You can't understand them. It's pretty bad. And Burt Reynolds had this huge resurgence after playing Jack Horner in Boogie Nights. Yeah. So this is post, you know, Boogie Nights, Burt Reynolds being considered for Oscars. And then it's like they, the cast isn't bad. I mean, Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Gina Gershon. Yeah. And then a bunch of these other. Kip Pardue. Kip Pardue's. Till Schweiger. So I I will say probably Burt Reynolds. All right. Let's talk about our best scenes. Okay. Would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. When I got it written right here, Gina Gershon in the bathroom, middle finger. So you were just used and abused. Was that attitude? 
Mmm, saucy, good for you. And next time I'm around, look at him. He ain't over it. Your mascara is running. Now, it's not what you think it would be after I wrote it down like that, but there is the scene where Gina confronts Joe's new love interest but, that they shorthand call Luke. And they never, but they never kiss. They never like. It's weird. They hang out, but it's, there's no romantic chemistry. It's as if, like what you said, it looks like a five year old singed her hair and cut it. Yeah. She's really odd. Like, once again, it's another ancillary character you don't connect with whatsoever. But there's a scene in the bathroom where Gina basically confronts her, kind of tries to flaunt, you know, you're not any good for him. And then she proceeds to give her this whole rigmarole bullshit. And then Luke, who this is the only part of this whole movie I liked about her, looks at her slowly and says, you have a little mascara under your eye while she is flipping her the yes. middle finger. Yes. And both she does of you, the scratch the nose yes. with the middle finger. And both of us at the same time reacted with the, oh, <laughs> so yeah, that my number one is Luke giving it to Gina's character straight back, man. Now, the only time I had seen this movie prior to today was like on cable, probably 2005, maybe I was in, uh, I remember being in college and probably home for the day or something in my bedroom watching this on a uh, like a tube tv probably but uh it's the only scene i remember and it's after sophia dumps jimmy to reconcile with Bo. he's crying he cries jimmy i'm so sorry go just go in front of this entire party and you figure they've probably only been together and i use that loosely a couple for days. a couple yeah a couple days maybe a week or and so and the party's supposed to be this formal thing all the guys are in tuxes the women are in wildly different dresses yeah they're rolling out the cars for next year and then joe is wearing like a t-shirt and yeah. jeans so after sophia dumps jimmy jimmy steals yep. one of the prototype cars mm-hmm. easily full of gas full of gas you know ready to, to go and he takes it out on the city streets of chicago mm-hmm. so joe immediately gets in a car and follows suit and they have themselves a bit of a, a race around the streets of Chicago. Yep. None of the other cars stop. They just zip in and out. Mm-hmm. At one point, uh, Jimmy spins. They shut their cars off. They get out of the cars. Come on. You want to go through me? Come on, go through me. I don't want to fight you. I want to fight him. For what? For what? You weren't there. Yeah, I was there. What do you think he did? Take your woman away? Is that what you think he did? Well, why did I let him just take her away? She was gone, Jimmy. She was always going to leave. You don't know what you're talking about. What would you know about it? I don't know that your brother's putting so much pressure on you to win that you went looking for an edge and you figured she was it. Why do you act like you even care about me, Joe? I'm just a thing to you. Just part of the job, huh? You pick up a paycheck to help me out because you didn't help yourself when you had the chance. Why does that make you so much better than me, Joe? It doesn't. Why'd you take the car, Jimmy? I don't need anyone else pushing on me. Go on, say it. Forget this. You're totally out of control, and you were hoping what you did tonight would get you thrown out because you've been looking for the eggs. And they just walk away, leaving two prototype race cars in the middle of a Chicago street. They have this big argument. There's helicopters and cop cars. They're not needed for questioning. They just... Nope. You forgot about the amazing manhole cover CGI. Yeah. Jesus. So when they, and also the cars are going so fast and are so loud. 195 miles an hour. They break the glass on a bus stop window. Yeah. This couple sitting on a bench just gets showered in glass. Yeah. It's uh, the race cars in the streets of Chicago. And it triggers Jimmy to be more of a racer and listen to himself. What he went, pure victory. Yeah. So this is. We're told or shown, essentially, that Jimmy's going down this path of a villain. Yeah. It's never believable, but this is the scene that snaps him out of that. Yeah. Is when he gets a speech, which I said at the top of the podcast. Joe gives him his small little racing trophy. Yeah, Yeah, I said it's the last time he felt pure victory. Uh, Victory. So that's my number one. My next one is Carl's monologue near the end of the movie. I want you to be the first to know I'm terminating the kid's contract. Why? I don't think he's the real deal. I don't think he's mentally tough enough. I don't think he's adult enough. Getting out of a car in the middle of a race. Save the man's life. I'm not here to debate with you. But, uh, go for Brandenburg next year. How he said, I'm going to cut Jimmy. We'll talk about that in logic. But Carl, you basically finally somewhat get an explanation of why Carl is who he is and why 
is he so shitty towards Joe? Yeah, I still don't believe it or buy it. But yeah, he got his legs burned up. <laughs> Pretty much. They don't basically allude to it the entire film. It's sort of like, always oh, in a wheelchair. You don't know why. You're assuming it's a racing accident, which it finally ends up being revealed that it was. But this whole movie, you and I both said, what is fucking up Carl's ass about yeah. everything? You have a rookie driver who is second in the championship, who can win the world championship. He's a rookie, and he's already racing at a championship level. He's Lewis Hamilton level amazing. And this guy wants to fire him so bad. And he said he's going to fish and cut bay with him. He's done with him after the season because he's not grown up enough. Yeah. And I told you while we watched this, I said, if Carl fires Jimmy, every single team would have a lucrative offer for Jimmy to come race for them. Big time. And Carl has the right to do that because he is also, not only is he team principal, it also comes off like he's the owner of this racing team. He can shit can him, but the amount of millions and millions of dollars that would be left on the table through sponsorships, a move like that, he would lose his racing team. Because there's investors, he still has to answer to. Just, I mean, he would be a good candidate to get himself like a robot driver because yeah like a no emotion like just yeah yeah like we're a literal robot like because he's just nothing's good enough yeah who is gonna satisfy him he wants like the cobra kai mentality where it's like win every race no mercy no mercy do not like, strike first strike hard yeah it's crazy it makes no sense you could win the world title and you'd be like why'd you only win 12 races instead of 13 yeah nothing would be good enough my next one the coin trick <laughs> What's he doing? He's just wound up, doing his coin bit or relaxing. What's his coin bit? He's going to hold a controlled slide going full out, and then he's going to drift over and pick up three coins. Oh, the fuck. So when Joe returns to God. racing and he agrees to come back, there's some coin trick he does where he, he drives a lap and he throws a couple coins on the track. Well done shot, by the way, how they were able to capture this horrible, once again, the CG of him just stopping and flicking a coin yeah. out and putting it on the track. You would never want to do this while you race. You do not want to just give yourself oversteer or understeer. Yeah. So what he does is he puts three coins on the track. Mm -hmm. And then on the next lap, he tries to go full bore, you know, a full on test lap. Yep. And he tries to run the coins over and get them into his tire and get them stuck into his tire. Rule one, do not wreck your tires. So why in God's name would you self-impose drifting in an open wheel race car and completely wreck your race? That makes no sense. It's crazy. It's the dumbest shit. It makes no sense. Yeah, so that's it. It's just, it's a ridiculous premise and it's just something to try and reinforce that Joe's like an excellent driver. Yes. And my last one will be Bo and Joe talking about getting back with Sophia while wearing your favorite hat that you mentioned at the very top of the show. Stay out of my business, Joe. What are you doing? Hey, I'm just talking. I mean, you do want her back, right? Why do you care? You two guys, you have a lot of history. That doesn't go away so fast. I pushed her away, Joe. I know, but you weren't thinking right. <laughs> I wasn't thinking at all. It's just... I this is the scene where you're like, okay, Bo's a really good guy, so he's not the baddie anymore. Not that he ever was the bad guy. He's no Philip Zeptet. He's no or at Philip least we don't know because we don't know who Philip Zeptet is. Apparently he has a watch company, but that's it. But his accent does not convey emotion properly because it's all one point. It's almost like Tommy Wiseau from yes. the room. It's very it's it's so weird. You say I love a Joe. Why do I love a Joe? He's almost borderline Marky Mark. And Christopher Walken met. That's what it is. But yeah, that's my ode to Till. Okay, my last one is one, it's probably my favorite one, honestly, is Carl removes Joe because he's not satisfied with the job that Joe's doing. So he removes Joe, he replaces him with Memo. Now, Memo's wife, Joe's ex-wife, convinces mm -hmm. Memo, just go for the win. You're in this thing. Yep. Don't block for Jimmy, win the race. So Memo does that, he wrecks his car, he has launched into a lake. and But what I really like about the scene is not a guy almost dying. I like the how they shot it. He gets alongside fly again. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. 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 Come
do this. With his teammate in the middle of a battle for the championship, Moreno has decided to stick his nose into this fight. Hey, Memo, back off. Only inches separate these two cars. Memo, you're too close. Yeah. So Memo's Memo's car goes airborne. Yes. Is upside down. So he's facing the ground. Yep. And they shoot it like he's in a tornado. Every it's like time stops for him. But the world around him is still it's a like full a speed. Zach Morris timeout. So yep. yeah, he's suspended in air, looking at the ground while these cars zoom under him. And he the camera's going 360 around him, and then he flies into the lake. A tree catches on fire and then fuel everywhere. Fuel everywhere. And I'm going to talk about this scene more in logic. Yes. But I, I just like the use of CG in this scene because they do like a clock stoppers stop, suspend him in air and let everything else play out while he's frozen there. Yes. That's a great scene, but we'll talk about it more in logic because this whole movie has scenes like that. Don't make any sense. All right. It's about that time. We got to get everyone out of the pool. Pool check. <laughs> For a second straight week, we return to music videos. This time, 2001 music videos. I will also say we've done some years where the movie is a direct reflection of the popular music at the time. Not this one. Not this one. So <laughs> there's like a synergy in some of these where the movie and the type of popular music are, you know, together. Like they'll use the hits of the time in the movie like or just, filter or just feel feels appropriate. Not in this movie. No. They're a little bit of opposites. But they have tantric in it. Yes. <laughs> this movie basically took the popular music of 2001, forgot it existed, and replaced it with like... <laughs> Non-copyright music. Non-copyright, <laughs> like European club music. Yeah. Maybe that's why the movie bombed. Probably. All right. So why don't we... You want to start? Do you want me to start? I'll go first. Okay. My number five. Let me blow your mind, even Gwen Stefani. This song was a great collaboration. I love the music video. Once again, it proved that Gwen had more of a range than just that pop punk girl that was behind, no doubt. She kind of really showed her range starting in this video. Yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, you know, she's going solo. Is she still on? Is she on the voice now? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. I don't watch that shit. I love this music video. It's very colorful. It shows both sides of them, who they are and what they care about, and the synergy that exists between Eve and Gwen Stefani. It also has that beat. That beat is so good, and I think that beat is very 01, very 2001, so that's my number five. Okay, I just realized that I did not ever end up numbering mine, so I'm for the first time ever, I'm going to have to like wing it. All right. But I will say I did want to mention an honorable mention at the top, which you had kind of mentioned. Fatboy Slim Weapon of Choice. Yes. This video is Christopher Walken dancing through a hotel. It, it brought Christopher Walken back into the limelight. It's pretty awesome. I mean, the, I don't care for Fatboy Slim or like I, that type of music. I don't either. But the video is awesome of him dancing. After this video, didn't he end up doing that whole Continental thing on SNL after this? Yeah. Yeah. So he so, became big again. My number five is actually a music video that makes me really uncomfortable. It's Crazy Town Butterfly. Oh, God. I was wondering which one of us would hit this. It's Shifty Shellsock is basically naked. And there's all these like vapor trails that sort like of make it look like an acid trip. There's uh, butterflies everywhere. Yeah. It's like uh, sort of like Alice in Wonderland. They're in like this yep. mystical forest. And the one girl in the video that makes out with Shifty, it's like a close up of them making out. Mm -hmm. At the end of the video, she literally becomes a butterfly. Like literally she grows wings and like flies up in the air like Tinkerbell. Guys, we have to show a range in this video, but your name is Shifty Shellshock. <laughs> Fuck you. They're all like shirtless. The one dude that's not shirtless is is wearing a dare shirt. It's like you're in the middle of a mystical forest and you're wearing a dare t-shirt. Dude, he doesn't want to get sunburned. It's man. so... Un it, I just feel like I was in the room while someone was doing meth. People love this shit on this song. It's the same people who fucking loved this song. And every time the song would come on in a bar, maybe you have to have a couple in you. You'd sing along. It's a good beat still. Why do people shit on it? I have no idea. I don't either. So my number four is another song that has a beat to it that we all cannot forget. Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head. All of a sudden, Kylie was a big pop star, especially in Australia, but she kind of made her notoriety known in the late 80s. She had locomotion. She had the, she had the cover of the locomotion, yeah. which was really good. 2001 came along. Kylie resurged. Mm-hmm. And she looked so good in this video. Kylie dancing with certain backgrounds. That's it. 
it's kind of like your fucking Spice Girls type variety video. But this song brought Kylie Minogue back into the limelight, and it's a really good song. Video's actually pretty decent. Probably watching it now, 20 years later, doesn't hold up. But that beat, man. You go to any restaurant, you will hear that song. I had someone reach out this week and uh, request us to do Spice World. Speaking of Spice Girls. Oh, God. (laughs) I love the pool sceners, but I even think I have limits. Number four for me, Andrew WK, Party Hard. Oh, God. I need to remember this video. Very cool stylistic video. It's sort of edited like an Edgar Wright movie. Mm -hmm. It's just like, edit, 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 cut, cut, cut. I get all of his songs confused because they all sound the same. They do. So I... I remember someone told me they saw Andrew WK do like, he does like motivational speaking, sort of like spoken. I don't know how to describe it. Not Tony Robbins. Kind of. And somebody was like, I saw it. It was life changing. So from there I was like, I like Andrew WK. I'd always like to see that. So I went and saw Andrew WK do that exact thing. They set up a bunch of chairs. You know, he opened with a short intro and uh, he started asking the audience question. The problem why I didn't see this as like life affirming and life changing. Yeah. Is there was a heckler <laughs> who, while he's trying to give people advice, because people would be like, I have, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with the loss of my pet. How do yeah. I get over it? And he, he'd give advice, but the heckler, not your typical heckler variety. And I feel bad even laughing. And I'm still so traumatized and uncomfortable by this. The heckler was a woman with terminal cancer. Fuck. Who kept interrupting to tell everyone that she had terminal cancer and it made like what do you say exactly so everybody in the place was like shut up but but also like it was the most it's the most uncomfortable thing uh, i would what would you do if you were him though exactly it it ruined everything it like seriously and she was like drinking like a ton which is why she was heckling makes sense there but I mean, I was like, she probably shouldn't be drinking, but I'm like, if she's truly terminal, it doesn't matter. I'm like, this is really, is really bizarre. Now, if you want to watch another awkward Andrew WK thing, a couple years ago, I think it was two years ago at E3, the E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, every summer, except for this one, they, the world of video games comes together in pop culture and they show what new video games are going to be coming out for next year and the holiday season. Bethesda was doing a press conference for the release of Fallout 76 which turned out to be a shit game. They got Andrew WK out of mothballs to do everybody get ready to, I don't know what song it was. <laughs> uh, everybody get ready to rock or something like that. They started singing. It's one of those stages where the, it's a circular stage where they have people behind. Most of these people had no idea who they were or who Andrew WK and his band were. They would go to one shots on these people and just look on his, the people's faces was so hilarious because they didn't know how to react. You'd get one tubby guy in the crowd to be like, fucking yeah. Right next to a guy going complete death stare. There's, there's it's so awkward. a lot of great, awkward Andrew WK moments. Like I don't know if it's on CNN or Fox when he's on there talking intelligently about whatever. But he always wore the same dirty yeah, ass yeah, shit. Yep. And he was talking about whatever, you know, current topic they were talking about. And when the counter argument started from the other person, he starts rolling his eyes back in his head and acting like he's going to puke, basically. And when they go back to him, he just starts talking normal like nothing's wrong. I love Andrew WK. So that's my number four. My number three, I had to include this because you guys know how much of a big fan I am. It's InSync's Gone. Yeah. Gone, I believe, was the precursor to Justin Timberlake's solo run. This song is so deep. It's all in black and white. It's very Art Nouveau. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. If you guys have not seen it, check it out now on YouTube. But it's Justin Timberlake just hitting those soulful, soulful notes. And this was the swan song for NSYNC. This, I believe, was their last... Well. Last hit off of pop. When you said NSYNC, I thought you were going to pick pop, which is a weird video. Now, initially, it was going to be on my list, but when I saw that Gone also came out the same year, I had to go with Gone. Gone is a better song, better video. The last minute of pop is Justin beatboxing Mm -hmm. with just these weird zoom-ins on his mouth while he's beatboxing. It's kind of strange. It's very They film pop very stuttery, too. It's that very stutter jam type video. And JC looks terrible in that video and it's not it's not bad it's just no. it was the year 2001 the and that's how people look yeah he had like longer hair but highlights and it's kind of like teased up 
and he's wearing like a black turtle. It's just, he's, it's rough. But JT, this is a year later, no, two years later, Justified came out. And now yeah. Justin Timberlake's the second coming of Michael Jackson, not crazy. So yeah, gone in sync number three. My number three, Brittany, I'm a slave for you. This was my number two. Mostly a dance video, but, and I'll let you talk about it since it's your number two. It's uh, the VMA performance Ugh. with the Albino Python. Changed my life. Man, that vi- like to God. me, the VMA performance overshadowed the video. Because the video is just like, it's a bunch of dancers in a warehouse type thing. Yeah. Oh, you want me? Yeah, you go ahead and okay, just I we'll transition myself. It's just thinking about this video gives me a slight chub. Now, there is some background for me when it came to this song. In 2003, this has been two years after this movie, our buddy Richard bought the four of us tickets to go see Britney Spears at then the Gund Arena in Cleveland. Now, here I'll set the stage for you. He spent a good amount of money. We were really near the stage. We're surrounded by little girls. We're surrounded by fathers who were dragged there for their daughters. Uh Girls in their 20s that are huge Britney fans. Gay men surrounding us too. And then there was us. We had no couth, no couth whatsoever. (laughs) When this song hit, the stage was a big square stage, but they had dance poles on each end of the stage. Britney came out, started dancing like so sexually, like at a strip club. Here we are, four horny straight men yelling at the top of our lungs. And I'm very embarrassed to say this now. We grew up. Hey, let's see your tits. (laughs) Where's the bush? You're so I want to bang you. And we're yelling at this. The mothers are looking at us like you pieces of shit. Yeah, you guys should. The fathers are like, our daughters are here. Meanwhile, the gay guys fucking laughing their asses off, cheering us on. They're getting involved with it. I look back on it now and go, why did we do stuff like that? But it was a different time. You guys drinking a little bit. It didn't help. I don't remember anything else from the show, but that song. Oh my God. It was amazing. Brittany has never returned, never returned to real life because she's currently held hostage by her father. Yeah. So there you go. I wanted to see her. We tried to see her in Vegas, but it just didn't work out. So maybe in the future when her father uh, unshackles her. That's right. My number two. Also, Miss Spears. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Another great video. Was that in the Crossroads movie? Classic singing on top of a mountain with huge landscape shots. Mm-hmm. It might have been in Crossroads. Yeah. It's basically the same video as Michael Bolton's Said I Loved You But I Lied. If you watch Michael Bolton's Said I Loved You But I Lied, it's basically the same video. If there were drones back then, yeah. this would be the perfect it's drone the shot. It's the same video. It's just they're standing on the edge of a mountain somewhere in Arizona. She's or, showing her abs off. And yeah, her, and she's like in a cave at points, and they're just flying around with the helicopter taking, you know, video. Brittany so. looking sexy with landscape. Yeah, but it's weird because in it's weird that this and I'm a Slave for You were released in the same year and because I'm a Slave opposite. for You is like, I'm stripping and I'm an adult woman and not a girl, not yet a woman is what the hell are you? It's she's, she looks young. She looks so young. So that's my number two. My number one is one of the most underrated songs. I'm going to say it probably of all time. Alien ant farm movies. Also my number one. Is it really? I I do have a, a caveat. I actually have a twofer. Okay. It's movies and Smooth Criminal. See, I get why Smooth Criminal made them. I love movies, but I also like These Days, because These Days was on the Madden soundtrack. Yeah. Now, the amazing thing I found out about this video, there were three versions made. Yeah. The first one was the one everybody knows. It's all in a movie theater. They're watching themselves being like movies like in Willy Wonka they were the Oompa Loompas it's basically last action hero it's basically they're sitting what it is. in the audience of the movie and they get warped into the movie now somehow Nick's golden ticket shows up and Pat Morita is in the videos yeah, Mr. Miyagi right. and they do a karate kid thing well they do Willy Wonka yep. they do Ghostbusters they do Edward Scissorhands karate kid and like you said Pat Morita actually runs down the movie theater aisle jumps into the movie and does the whole Austin O'Brien's oh. character yeah, he does the, the Miyagi insurance plan. The second one, the video they made, takes place on just a basic set with a background of the Hollywood sign. That's it. That's all. They just perform in front of that. That was released. Now, the third one was unreleased. It takes place at a house party. They're playing like Love Burger and Can't Hardly Wait. Crazy why, house why party. Why did they release three videos, though? They didn't release the third one. The they first, released two. The first one was great. It's excellent. I don't know why they re- well released two, but they filmed three videos, three videos. The third video looks like somebody said, hey, we'll give you a thousand bucks. Can you play at our house? And that's what it seems like. 
Now, the Smooth Criminal video, because like I said, I had a twofer. I, movies is great song, great yeah. video. But I was like, I, I can use two of these as one pick. Yeah, Smooth Criminal. It's just Alien Ant Farm doing a cover of Smooth Criminal. But they, the video is basically taking elements of making like a white trash house party version of Michael Jackson. Yeah. They're performing in like a wrestling ring in the backyard, but they're walking down the sidewalk, which lights up. They have a monkey on their lap. They have. They do the lean. <clears throat> yeah. They have a kid who dances like Michael. You know, they, they steal all the elements of, uh, of smooth or just Michael videos in general. The alien and farm, man, they came and went and they came to Geneva on the lake, which is a place that I love. Oh, hell yeah. And Ohio ocean. Yeah. We, you know, it's at Lake Erie. It's like, a it's like a biker town. Yeah. Well, it was like a Ohio's first vacation resort that then was taken over by the hell's angels big time. And now it's kind of like families and hell's angels together. <laughs> yeah. And then you the, go to Yankees. If I can suggest a place to go to just see a dichotomy of social relevance. All right. Go to Yankees. I will tell you about Yankees. Happy hour. $1 beers, $1 shots from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. <laughs> Eight hours. They have a dance pole in the middle of a sandy outdoor dance it's floor. It's an indoor outdoor bar. And they have, a, as Jim said, a stripper pole in the middle, which we went there for our buddy's bachelor party. And one of the bartenders periodically would get on top of the bar to do like a strip tease routine. And she wasn't allowed to. Nope. We've seen employees there snorting rails in the bathroom. We saw during your bachelor party, our buddy Fu get accosted by a drunk woman who got uh -huh. on her knees and started undoing his belt. Yeah, I gave out uh, all the members of the bachelor party. I bought 1992 Dream Team cups. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who it was, but somebody climbed that stripper pole and put a Dream Team cup on top of the stripper pole, which stayed there for like, we went there a month later and it was still there. Yeah, we saw a girl get dry humped from behind oh, hardcore with the guy in a Vince Carter jersey. Very extra long Vince Carter. Jersey. Got a good picture of it. Yeah, great time. Yeah. So let's do some honorable mentions, which we have forgot to do. We forgot to do last week. Mm -hmm. Chop Suey System of a Down. Down with the Sickness Disturbed, couple some 41 videos, Fat Lip Into Deep, couple Missy Elliott videos, Get Your Freak on One Minute Man, Hanging by a Moment, which yep. I know you like, by Lifehouse. Oh, big time. Hash Pipe by Weezer, also Island in the Sun, which Green Album was great, and then they used Island in the Sun for an Olsen Twins movie. Yeah. So it was a little weird. Wrecked it. It seemed like, oh man, Weezer sold out. Here's to the night, Eve 6. Think about that song. That was my ex-girlfriend's prom song. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. Mm -hmm. It has this beeping in the song periodically. Yeah. It drives me nuts. How you remind me, Nickelback, which <laughs> we, we all went, like we that went song down a Nickelback out. rabbit hole a couple weeks ago. Oh, we did. Where we watched a live performance from this year. Sturgis. At Sturgis. There were tits out everywhere. Uh, and it's on just on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Chad Kroger's voice blew out or something. I don't know. Yeah. You uh, your tits. <laughs> I want to be bad Will afford, which yep. maybe there is synergy because she's uh she was going out with Chuck Liddell at the yeah, time. She's racing a bunch of cars in that video. A mm -hmm. couple Lincoln Park videos in the end. One step closer. Yep. Last night by the Strokes. I have first date by Blink 182. Fallen by Alicia Keys. Everywhere, which is one of my very guilty pleasure songs by Michelle Branch. Oh, Move Bitch by Ludacris. My Sacrifice by Creed. <sighs> Say what you want. People shit on Creed and Nickelback, but like Crazy Town, when it first came out, you dug it. I just, to me, the thing about shitting on those bands is what makes those bands worse than any other band that they sounds like that. They got to the top first. Yeah. And like, any other band would have done what they did. I don't like those bands, but I just, what is worse about Creed or Nickelback than what are some of the other ones? Breaking Benjamin, Trap, yeah, they're Five all the Finger same. Death Punches. Yeah. Don't they sound like that? Finger 11, all these yeah. other ones. Peaches and Cream, 112. Great which, song. I love Cupid by 112. 1996. God damn. Exactly. Really? Blows my mind. I cannot believe it was that old. I love their cover of, oh, what the hell is it with 112 and uh, Did Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam? What the hell is that song? Uh, I was all like, cried out. Thank you. That's yeah, it. That's a great video. Excellent cover. I have a theory about that video. Oh, God. Uh, that's right. You do. <laughs> New Slang by The Shins, which if you've seen Garden State, 
it was like really a start of like the indie boom, the indie band boom. Never saw that movie. There's a scene where Natalie Portman takes her headphones and puts them on Zach Braff. And she says, here, this will change your life. Oh, okay. And puts the headphones on. It's new slang by the shins. Short skirt, long jacket by cake. What a great video. Have you ever seen it? Yes. It's basically that same premise. Mm -hmm. It is. They stop people in the street. They give them a pair of headphones. They play the song and they go, tell us what you honestly think. And some of the people are like, this is good. I like this. And other people are like, this is terrible. I hate it. And then there's, it's just a mix of people they grab on the streets. A yeah. good video. The Middle, Jimmy Eat World. Oh, yeah. Great. Bleed American. You Got It Bad, Usher. I'm surprised you didn't pick Ugly by Bubba Sparks. Oh, God. When It's Over, Sugar Ray. Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of You too. I think that's about all I got. Yep. All right. Get him back in the pool. I guess it wasn't shit, guys. We can get back in now. All right. Critical question this week. We're getting close to Christmas. We will be doing a gift exchange on next week's Christmas special. Mm-hmm. So in anticipation of that, what's the best Christmas gift you can ever remember receiving? God, there's a ton. I can remember so many so vividly. Just to name a couple, the year I got a Commodore 64 computer, my mom would spoil the shit out of me and I miss her to death. I remember another one. I got the Nintendo when the Nintendo first came out in 86. I got that. But the one that always stuck out to me, my, I found this out later when Power Wheels first came out, they were huge. My, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, who, you know, we all lived together at the time before my, my dad came into the picture. I wanted this, the Power Wheels. I wanted them so bad. They were out at Toys R Us. So my grandfather went all the way out to Children's Palace when it was in Boardman. Got me the Power Wheels, came home. They started putting it together. It was missing a wheel. Oh, wow. They, they deconstructed everything, put it back in a box, went back out to Boardman, ended up getting another one coming home. They ended up buying me a four-wheel ATV Power Wheel and a police bicycle Power Wheel. Damn, you were spoiled. I was horribly spoiled, and it's embarrassing, but I'm not going to deny it. So I woke up Christmas morning to both Power Wheels and my holy grail toy that i want back so bad but every time i see it they want 700 dollars for a thing it's a night rider pedal car it's plastic whatever but i remember as a kid the hood would open both doors and the trunk i would always store shit in it and i would always wash it like a regular car so much so that i wore the stickers off of it so that christmas alone was probably the best christmas i ever had all right, listeners, if you have a Knight Rider pedal car, send it to Jim, please. And a McDonald's pizza box. <laughs> and put a bunch of McDonald's pizza boxes in the trunk. <laughs> now, I didn't get much for Christmas growing up. It was kind of a contentious time. But I do remember one year getting not a Vince Carter jersey, but a Damon Stoudemire Raptors jersey. The purple one. Has, with the actual Raptor on it? With the Raptor oh, on it. Yes. And it's just... You know, it a time capsule type thing. Oh, big you can time. Remember exactly. So I, I loved that David Stoudemire jersey. Before that, I had a uh, a Shaq Orlando Magic jersey that I like wore the numbers off of because you know how they're like screen oh, printed. Oh, big time champions. Yeah, the champion ones. I pretty much wore the numbers off my Shaq one that I'd wear all the time. I remember my mom going to Valley View and getting. I got the Jordan one, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird. And I remember one time out of nowhere, my mom surprised me with an Anthony Penny Hardaway jersey nice. that I used to wear to basketball. Man, camp I want time. those magic jerseys again. They're so great. But those champion magic jerseys didn't ever look like the original ones because no. they didn't have they like had the, the piping. pinstripes. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the pinstripes. They were just basic. Yeah, basic version of them. But I, I then I got after the Damon Stoudemire, I had a Cavs Sean Kemp when they were the oh. black and baby blue. I have the Larry Johnson Charlotte Hornet one still upstairs. It's great. Mm hmm. All right, let's talk about some logic in Driven. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Thanks, David. Uh, first logic point for me, who are we supposed to like and not like? <laughs> I don't know. This they whole set movie. up the story where Joe's ex-wife is married to Memo. Mm -hmm. Easy chance to make Memo a villain, but they make him the most likable character in the movie. <laughs> I don't hurt told yourself. You. I told you, and I told you too, okay? What does that mean? I told you that I'll return, and here I am. Returned. Like the real Zorro. 
There's no helmet big enough to hold that head. There's so much love in here, huh? You know, you keep smiling at that, your face is going to crack. Which doesn't make sense. Why in God's name would he like a woman like her? See, I, exactly. She's the alpha male. Yeah, and then I thought Jimmy was going to take a heel turn, but then his brother was there as a foil, and then Bo is like, okay, this is the rival, so this is the villain. Yeah. Bo never does anything other than dump his fiance. He's that, a sad sap. Yeah, that makes him a villain. Yeah. Nobody's a villain. Nobody's a hero. The only person that they ever clearly indicate as a villain is Carl, the team owner. Mm-hmm. Weird. I watched you kill yourself. And you had everything. And you threw it all away. And I had to sit there and watch the slowest man in the fastest sport. I wake up every morning and my legs are on fire. I know I'm gonna have to sit in this chair for the rest of the day. But if they gave me one more chance, I'd do it all over again. Meanwhile, throughout this movie, rewatching it, because it's been a couple years since I rewatched it, I like Bo. I just like fucking Bo Brandenburg yeah. the entire time because he's, you know, ex world champion. He's on Target Chip Ganassi Racing, the top-tier team in IndyCar. And you just want the dude to succeed. Hey, Bo, if this is about pride, you better forget it. Because that's how the whole thing started. What would you do? Me? To get someone back that I really love? To get that rock out of my stomach, I'd crawl. You'd crawl? Crawl. Joe, you never crawl. Yeah, i crawl until there was nothing left. Come on, champ. Use your head. And you feel genuinely bad for him because Sophia left him for like three days. Well, sort he like dumps her because she's fucking with his psyche. He's losing focus on what's important, which is racing, I guess. Even though they've been together for three years. Yeah. I have Jimmy Bly loves looking at screens. She, dude, when does this? There is a pool scene in Japan. In case you did not know where they were, it said Tokyo, Japan. There was a big red sun painted into the pool. And what comes across like a free floating Japanese flag between two 10 meter diving well, there's platforms. There's a, a reason that they never really give you a good look at it. Which makes you wonder, they probably weren't in Tokyo when they filmed that scene. I, highly unlikely. But meanwhile, she's in the pool doing, she must be signing up to be a synchronized swimmer for the fucking Olympic team because she's doing pirouettes, handstands. Real weird. Where'd you learn how to do that? I, um, uh, I was raised by frogs. Raised by frogs. Well, I'm glad you escaped. Meanwhile, she almost does the Phoebe Cates pool scene. He's on his shitty laptop doing racing simulations that aren't even racing He's simulations. He's on these, these obviously simulated images. Windows 3.1. And they also do this thing to Jimmy, and maybe this helps identify him as the good guy is every time that he's not racing, they have him in glasses. And he does he does not look right with glasses on because it looks like he's wearing a wig. Yeah, it's weird. And But he every time they show him throughout like the first half of this movie, he's looking at a screen. It's like if this movie were made modern, he'd just be on his cell phone in his face yeah. all the time. Or an iPad. They made a strong decision. It was like, put Jimmy in front of a screen all the time. Plus, Jimmy is an emotional wreck. He starts crying at that party when Sophia starts talking to Bo. Yeah. Literally gets upset. And the first time they meet ha- through happenstance at a, a club. dance club, yeah. she straight up, straight up tells him, I am not over him. No. Do not do this to me. I love him. I want to get back with him. But he says, why don't we just be friends? Which makes me think, hey, why don't we just fuck? Yeah. It's okay. Let's yeah. just have He's sex. Like, Let's go sit down. And she's like, okay. But then sure enough, when Bo's like, I want you back. She's like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. But the whole Bly family alone makes no sense. His brother, DeMille, who in God's name would give their kid the first name of DeMille. No offense to people if there's any guys out there named DeMille. Because you think DeMille, you think Cecil B. DeMille or DeMille, whatever. There seems to be some sort of weird, almost too loving relationship between Jimmy and DeMille kind of comes across a little weird to me. I know it's an older brother protecting a younger brother, but sometimes it seems to almost blur the line. Yeah, but it's it's DeMille saying 
I'm going to make so much money off of you yeah. that you need to do what I say. I don't care if you're pulled in a hundred directions. We deal with it, okay? Well, then stop pushing on me like you're one of them. Wait, wait. Them? Like I'm the enemy? Them? That's great. That's... And... You know this is the type of relationship where if he ever had the chance, you know, he's probably got it written in the contract where he can bleed Jimmy dry mm-hmm. and leave himself set up with all this money. Sort of like, you know, Millie Vanilli in sync backstreet boys, yeah. you know, these back- he's Lou Pearlman. Yeah, Lou Pearlman, who these these band managers who just like exploit their their talent. It's that's the character that DeMille comes off as. The one thing that never kind of understand it about DeMille too, and I think you're completely right about that. Jimmy gets shit candy. He's like, I'm going to go with Bo. Yeah. So they show a scene where DeMille is with Bo and Sophia. Sophia ends up punching him. Let's get this thing signed. After the race, it's going to be a madhouse. What do you say? I say, let's say what she says. What's her idea? Her idea. What do you mean her idea? So how does it feel? What? How does what feel? To be used. What? I didn't treat you with manners? You're going to blow this over that? Look, what do you want to do? Hit me? Would that make you feel better? A little. Didn't hurt. So did they hire him just to punch him in the face? Yeah, they. It was a setup, just like yeah. It was a setup to make him humble. I make you humble. Why? (laughs) I break your back, Hulk Hogan. There are so many things. Carl makes zero sense. I have, I have a quick one. Gina Gershon's hat. She shows up at one point. Canadian tuxedo. Wearing a, a denim. She looks like Scarecrow, but in denim, but her hat is sort of like a... It's mi- bent wrong. It's really weird. It's bent very strange, but the big one, the only big one I still have to mention, Memo's wrecked. So uh, that the, whole German race. The second that he wrecks, so he flies like over the stadium into this lake. He hits the... First off, he caroms up into the wall. Yeah. The way this track is banked, first of all, they would never race on a track lane. It's ultra banked. So he literally flies into the wall, smashing against the wall, then literally goes straight up and back. Yeah. And then somehow points downward. Yes. And he he basically clears the stadium, ends up in this nearby lake. The moment that he made contact, the EMTs would go directly to the wreck. There are EMTs posted almost everywhere around a racetrack. Yes. But instead, we have Jimmy... (laughs) Turns around on the track. During a race. Drives backwards to turn five. Gets out of his car. Goes off-road. Goes off-road. Runs across the street. Gets in the water. He tries to flip over the race car himself. At this point, by the time Jimmy got there, good chance Memo has drowned. Technically, Memo should have died when he hit the wall. Memo is strapped into his car. Upside down. With a helmet on. In water. Yep. Covered in fuel. Covered in fuel. Jimmy gets there. Tries to flip him over but it can only hold him up for a, a second at a time, a couple seconds. It makes no sense. Then we have Bo, who gets, you know, word in his headset. From Sophia. From Sophia. Who shouldn't have a headset on to begin with. So then Bo goes to turn five, gets out of his car. <laughs> get out, get out, come now. Goes across the street, <laughs> assists Jimmy to flip over Memo's car. Memo should have drowned by now. Yep. There's a tree that's on fire. Digital fire. It's like a huge pine tree on fire, and it's going to fall into the water, which, as Jim said, we have fuel everywhere. Oh, it's everywhere. So they do get Memo out of the car, despite him not drowning somehow. He's he got can't feel his legs. Great lungs. He can't feel his legs. They pull him onto the shore. The tree on fire lands in the water. Just then, at that point, after two race car drivers, have driven, exited their vehicles, flipped over a car, pulled out the driver, dragged him to shore. Just then, do EMTs begin to arrive? Which is absolute bullshit. It's insane. That race in real life would never start to begin with because it was too wet to race They in. do, exactly. There's a torrential downpour. A thunderstorm. They do have a helicopter that just immediately goes over and they're like, oh, there's going to be a dead guy. But there's... No EMTs, no doctors, no one. This whole fucking movie 
It has so many sensationalized accidents that every accident that takes place, especially in the last race at Belle Isle Park, yeah. you have cars darting over the wall, spearing into the water. You have cars flipping. There would be so much death. Now, I, I there wouldn't be a racing series. I don't left. watch racing, like I, I mentioned, but I love that every time there's a wreck in this movie, the announcer's like, "Yeah, like, fuck yeah, awesome!" And it's every like, time there's a major like, wreck, the fucking race continues. Huge like nothing crowd happened. cheer, and then it's like Richard Jargons wins <laughs> the championship. There's a dead guy on the track. Oh no, Ted Stevens got decapitated. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joe Tanto going around third. turn four. <laughs> It's crazy. It makes no fucking sense. There's so many logic issues in this movie. The editing mix was pure ass. You couldn't hear them talk half the time. The music was shy. Oh, that is that is crazy. They the you know it it might have been set up. We watched on, but if you watch this, it seems like they're pumping the music. Oh, it's like trying to talk to somebody in a bar. The dialogue's so quiet, especially when they're trying to talk over the radio. Yeah, it's already going to be low, and then you just have some weird. It's like it sounds like the "I will buy you a garden" yeah, song by yeah. Everclear playing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Yeah. So, well, why don't we move on to legacy? Okay. Now, Richard Roper called this the what is it, the worst car movie of all time or the worst race movie of all worst time? Worst car movie ever made. Yeah, that's quote. It won a ton of Razzies, mm-hmm. and there's a video game. Yes, there's a game for that, which is a, a side shoot podcast. I always want to do that has Estella Warren on the main splash screen with Joe Tanto and Jimmy Bly. No Bo Brandenburg for PS2, GameCube and Game Boy Advance. Hell yeah. GBA, but sure the Game Boy Advance version is incredible. We're going to have to get our hands on this game. Anything you want to mention for legacy? Nope. All right. <laughs> stick around for some plugs. Once again, pool sceners. Thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now back to Kevin. And your plugs there, I think you lie to our audience because you said we have some amazing movies coming this up. This was an amazing movie. This is Amazingly a- shit. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you didn't have the other qualifiers. So next week we will be doing a Christmas special. Yes. We, to determine what we will be doing for our Christmas special immediately following this episode, refer to our Instagram at pool scene podcast at pool scene podcast, where we will be spinning the wheel, making the deal. We will take your suggestions. Thank you so much for providing those. Be taking your suggestions, spinning the wheel, whatever we land on. That is what we will be discussing on our Christmas special. I hope, I hope, I hope it is a train wreck of a movie. I really do. We have a lot of good suggestions that were mentioned. Some I've never, ever heard of. So this could be something to help Bring in the last holiday of the year, put 2020 behind us, and usher us into a new year. All right. Well, keep an eye out for that video on Instagram and Christmas special next week. Christmas special, which will have our live gift exchange. That's right. You're going to hear what Jim and I buy each other for Christmas. You can hear Kevin open it up and go, oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, We've been doing this for a couple years now. A few years at least. We've been doing a gift exchange. So hear what we buy each other, hear what we think of each other. You know, yeah. Kevin and I always set a limit. This year was fifty thousand dollars. That's so about what be, I spent. So. Yeah, it's about fifty thousand. Came in right under. Yep. All right. Until next week, pool sceners. Merry Christmas and Silencia. Silencia.